Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. Welcome back to episode 118 of the On the Table Gaming podcast. And today we're catching up with Mike Meeple, and you might know him as one of the OG A Song of Ice and Fire content creators. And then afterwards, we'll be focusing on House Greyjoy in our A Song of Ice and Fire Coaches Corner with Brett Lanfer. And so, Mike Meeple, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Welcome back on the podcast. Pleasure to be back, Chase. It's been a long time. I know. So, you know, you like I said, you were one of the OG content creators. You're like one of the first people. I remember when the Kickstarter was going on and it started to launch and I started to see your, your painting tutorials pick up. I've been getting a lot of painting in recently. You know, not as much as I'd like to, if I'm being completely honest. You, you know, just um, and and people who are su- subscribing on the channel, you know, on my channel can kind of see it. It's It's been a little few and far between. You know, my, my family's been sick and you know i'm i work in healthcare so that's been taking a lot of my time too but um it i'm it, things are starting to calm down again i'm finally able to get back on the painting table um and working on some models so it's been it's been nice getting back to it well i always eagerly await especially i love your blog content but especially your your YouTube channel, which if you haven't checked out, be sure to check out. I think you've got just a great uh, cinematography, obviously great painting skills, and you've got great sense of just general film overall, like your your audio, your your visuals is super clear, and uh, I just really love your tutorials. So I'm excited for maybe what's in store, and we'll cycle around back to that in a little bit. Sure, sure. But you know, it's been a it's been a crazy time here since the Kickstarter. It's been a couple of years, and you know, one of those years was you know the full on COVID, and now things are still kind of crazy with swells. And things uh have you been able to get playing any games a song of ice and fire or others or other games that have been catching your eye i just i just haven't gotten back out there in terms of a song of, of ice and fire i i really want to though um and i just finished ordering like all of my update packs the card yes. packs um so i'm eagerly awaiting for uh, awaiting those um, if I were to play now, obviously I would probably just play Greyjoy, uh, because they are already updated, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, I was, I was pretty lucky in that, um, my, my, my regular gaming group, once we all got vaccinated, we all kind of said, all right, we're going to start meeting up again. Um, and they don't necessarily play, um, the war games so much, but they really like the, the, the board games. Um, so playing lots of Marvel United, which is a great game, playing a little bit of uh, uh, Imperial Assault uh, went back to that. Oh um, my gosh, a classic there. Yeah, exactly. And then um, and then my my buddy Garth, he's he's one of my best friends. He he only comes into town for the holidays. And again, I hadn't seen him since Christmas 2019, right? So he came into town and he came over just the other day um, and we were able to get in the game that we always play when he's in town and he's like the only one that plays it with me um is mechs versus minions oh nice yeah you actually talked to me about that one too i I did take a look at it it's so funny hearing your experience about uh with your buddy there is that my buddy brian brian the builder who works on a song of a smart builder it's the same thing i really only see him every year around the holidays when he comes back in to visit his folks who i live near and uh one of the games he's been super into and wanting me to get into is uh monster apocalypse and so i'm thinking you know he's coming up for the holidays the winter season here and uh you know I'm gonna. It's either I try and get him to play a song of ice and fire. Or he's gonna try and get me to play some monster pock. He's got some old miniatures and stuff for that. And uh, you know, I, I, I've been looking at it. It looks kind of interesting, and I might give it a shot. Um, you know, have you had any experience with that game? Let, let me tell you, I am super excited about that game. I'm in the Kickstarter for um, a chunk of money that I will not disclose in case my <laughs> wife hears this. 
Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I'm, I'm super excited about that game. I got the chance to play it, uh, the Tabletopia version of it, um, which is, which is the, the quote unquote official version. Um, and it's, it's pretty much playable. There's still some glitches with, um, with a few things here and there, but you, you definitely get the idea. Um, and man, that is a, that is a cool game, a really cool game. And, you know, Mythic Games has, you know, they're doing it with private to your press it's a it's a co uh, co-production um and they have they have such great um quality to their games you, you know um the the minis for reichbusters the the components for reichbusters and um super fantasy brawl which i loved um, you know, these were all great components and great, um, great production value. Um, but, you know, Reichbusters and some of their other games like Joan of Arc weren't the best in terms of clarity and, and even Super Fantasy Brawl that I love is, is kind of complicated and there's a lot of extra stuff that, that I don't necessarily think needs to be in there to play the game. But with Privateer Press being the the game coming from them and then Mythic Games kind of handling the components, I think I just got really excited. It's match made in heaven, I think. Man, you know, between you and because I, I remember you mentioning before talking about the Kickstarter. That's why I kind of also brought it up here yeah. uh, between between you and uh, Kevin from Three Men in a War Game. I, you know, because my buddy loves this game so much, too, like I might want to get into this. It might be something I check out. So maybe I can grab the three of you together sometime, maybe even offline or online that talk to me, like give me the whole rundown of this game because it certainly caught my attention. Um, and my buddy Brian is like, you know, he loves like those kind of kaiju, like big monster uh, movies and games. Sure. And this goes back to like the stuff we used to go over his house in like middle school and watch, uh, you know, like Godzilla movies. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it could be pretty cool. Uh, and you know, are, are you going to be making some paint tutorials for this game? Because that's something that would be helpful if, uh, if I did get into it. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's the goal. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I joined the, um, monster apocalypse, um, Facebook community. Um, and it, it kind of reminds me like old school song of ice and fire, uh, community where it's not too big, but it's big enough. And like, I kind of just kind of posed the question on the Facebook group. I was like, hey, would do you feel like painting tutorials for this game would be helpful? Do you think that oh, it's an oversaturated market? You know, what, what do you guys think? Um, and they said, no, absolutely. Please do that. There's not enough coverage for this game. It's a great game sort of a thing. And I even got um, I, I tracked I discovered I even got the uh, marketing guy from Mythic Games to comment on that post. And he said, please do that. That would be that would be awesome. Um, but it's kind of funny how it's like as a group. Uh, and that, I think that's true with anything like that's part of the growing process. Um, yeah. But uh you know, it's always fun to be a part of a lot, part of the ride at something in the beginning as well. Vice and Fire too. I do want to. I do want to check out um, tutorials. And uh, I'm not con. They have. Uh, they showcase the uh, Lannister starter set. It's a standalone, and the Stark Ooh. starter set. So you know, maybe think about your old uh, blog tutorials here. Um, you know, as things are picking up again, I know you got your card packs coming. Um, 
is that something you might be jumping back into? I saw a teaser post on Facebook that you've got maybe some Stark stuff in the works. Yeah, yeah. And um, I've, I I kind of went back and I started taking a look at some of my older um, tutorials um, for, for a few reasons. Obviously, I've grown as a painter, right? And I would like to think that my audience has grown as painters as well, you know? So um, maybe, maybe looking at some new techniques and some new methods um, might really, um, you know, help help raise the quality of some of my some of my audiences paint jobs as well well man i know especially your victorian Greyjoy one that was a, a somewhat more recent one man that is absolutely fantastic and that's what i've been using as my my basis for me going through my Greyjoy. so i know i absolutely big fan of your stuff and you know as you know i have been for a long time sure. um and so it looks like you're you're doing some Stark stuff coming up then. Yes. Uh, so um, I, I probably tonight I will be doing recording the voiceover for um, my new Sworn Swords um, tutorial. Um, and you know that should this should take me a few days to edit. Uh, so by the time you guys hear this out there in podcast world, um, the tutorial should either have just dropped or will be dropping in the next few days or so. Now the pressure's on here. I got to race in and make sure I get this ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's fantastic. Um, you know, and the fun thing is, it's like, I guess one thing I always think about is like, you know, there's people I, I know that have been a big part of the Song of Ice and Fire community that have then left and then come back or, you know, tried other games or maybe a Song of Ice and Fire has become like a side game. And they have another main game or, you know, and it's it's. You know, I guess I just kind of, I guess originally it was like, oh man, I got to be so attached. But I was like, you know, these things can kind of like ebb and flow. Sure. Um, and the cool thing about, especially a Song of Ice and Fire is it's like, it's, it's really well established now. The game's doing really well, despite, you know, COVID and all these challenges. Uh, you know, the, the 2021 update had some, you know, distribution challenges and obstacles. Like, uh, it, it's definitely like a, one of those rocks. It's like, okay, this game is like definitely here to stay. I sure. remember when we first like we were starting and first like kind of connecting, you know, it was like pre Night's Watch being a faction. And it was like, what do we do to help this game grow? Because like we wanted to be around here. Like, will this game be successful? Um, and it's, it definitely showed it has legs. <laughs> I, I remember I remember that first Christmas season mm-hmm. where there was where there was no information. We got nothing. And everyone was like, oh, no, <laughs> what's happening with this game? It, I feel bad because sometimes people get like worked up about certain things like delays and shipping. And I just think back to like those early those early times like that when it was like, well, it was like the first December and there was no news because I think they like see mine like kind of takes like December off ish. Yeah. yeah. People were like calling it like the long night. It was like, <laughs> the, 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 like you know, it's like a whole there's been four weeks of no information. It's like, oh, you know, yeah, you know things uh we just needed some perspective i guess yeah. <laughs> well i'm so glad to see you coming back and doing some painting and uh you know hope we get get some games going soon and uh you know let's uh, let's do that let's set maybe a time in the future maybe we could talk a little bit more about monster Pac, uh yeah. and uh, maybe we can gather i'll get some like show notes ready and we can we can get into it a deep dive on that sure, um, sure. and you know in the meantime i'm just excited to kind of see some of your your more painted tutorials coming out and it was just kind of a chance to kind of connect and, and see what you're up to these days yeah. um and, uh, you know, just great to catch up again. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What's the best place to find you on, on the interwebs? So you can actually just Google Mike Meeple. Um, that is that will take you to both my blog um, and uh, my YouTube channel. Um, so um, my YouTube channel is YouTube.com forward slash Mike Meeple. And then my blog is Mike Meeple dot blogspot dot com. 
Um, so, um, but either one of those, just like I said, easiest way is just Google Mike people and I'll be like one of the first two things. I'm usually the first thing or the first two things that pop up. Um, uh, which I think is, I, I don't know. I feel pretty, I feel kind of proud about that. Uh, <laughs> you, you are the Mike Meeple. I know, I know. <laughs> I, although I saw some some guy on online the other day that uh, was posting under Meeple Mike, and he even had like the bright green Meeple with a mustache and everything. I was like, what the heck? Who are <laughs> you're, you? You're doppelganger. I yeah, know, yeah. Like, it was like Bizarro me. It was horrible. <laughs> Imitation is the uh, sincerest form of flattery, or something. You sure, know, or, or, sure, sure. But you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's there's only one Mike Meeple, and you're you're it. Uh, well, you know, kind of a kind of a casual just conversation and catching up, and and uh, you know, I'm excited that you're back to making the song with some fire, fire uh, tutorials. I'm really excited to to hear about your exploits getting back into playing the game with 2021. And so you're gonna be you're, you're saying you might you might be doing Greyjoy if you started playing again now. What about the Targaryens? That was the last one you're playing. I know that that they're coming out pretty strong these days. I've been having a lot of fun. We did a, a coach's corner with a Targaryen gun list um, that you might get a kick out of. Some things for you to think yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I I heard I heard that. Um, and so I mean I mean still, and I'm gonna catch heat for this. I'm sure because they are online. Everybody's hated faction right now. I'm still Night's Watch. I'm you I know I was trying to subtly lead you away from the Night's Watch. John Snow's my boy. He's still my boy. He's <laughs> my favorite character in the books and the show. He's all of that stuff. Um, I really was enjoying playing as the um the Targaryens though. Um, before before everything shut down, just because they're so different than anything else. Um, but I want to try my Greyjoys. I haven't even played it with them. I've got I have the set, but I I haven't even busted it open. So oh man, other than to, other than to paint Victarion, you know. <laughs> yep. Well, we got to get we got to remedy that. So that's gonna yeah, be on yeah. our list too for future things. We got to get you for some sure, games for sure, and then we'll talk about some other games as well here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, no no pressure though. Well, one game one game that I am excited about that I didn't think that I was gonna be too excited about is the Marvel Zombicide. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I'm glad you brought that up. I, I'm kind of just a wee bit excited about that. Um, so there's a there's a few things, and I and I do want to let you talk and hear what your thoughts are. Sure. Um, uh, but one of the cool things about that is that is uh, Michael Chanel and Fabio Curry's, uh, they're both designing that game, and that's and Fabio's first designer credit. Obviously, we've had them on the podcast in the past. We've got to know them pretty well through A Song of Ice and Fire. So that's like fantastic in its own self right there. I'm just so excited for Fabio to get his designer credit with a game like this, which is huge. Their 50th Kickstarter. Sure. But man, uh, I don't know about you, but Zombie Side's a, a game I've had a lot of fun with in a very casual, like bringing lots of friends together sort of setting. And I think oh, yeah. the Marvel theme on that is just like a home run. Oh, yeah. I the <laughs> So the very first like big box like nerd game that I ever bought that wasn't like Settlers of Catan right was was Zombicide I bought it at the at our the local game store Crazy Squirrel Games and uh, I bought the very first version of Zombicide um, and it was fine right <laughs> like it was a fine game it was a lot of fun but there were still some things where i was like oh man this is, i don't know this, this like some of this stuff like i have to shoot my friends before i shoot the zombies y- you know a certain mm-hmm. little design choices were a little funky and and then i got black plague and yes yep and black plague fixed everything and the theme 
fit like it was perfect. Everything, it was like the perfect version of Zombicide, you know? And I love that game. Um, and and I just, I, yeah, I was, I played the snot out of that. Um, and then I went, because I'm a sucker for cowboys and Indians and Wild West and monsters and in the Wild West, I went all in on the Undead or Alive, which... Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I mean, come on, like, like, come Literally, on, Cowboys, Cowboys versus Zombies, that's, a, that's like, that's like, that's a great, take my money now, you know? Oh my gosh. I, I, is that like a generational thing? Like, are, are Cowboys, you know, is, is Western style as popular now with like younger generations? My, I guess my, maybe it's my grandfather. I guess my mom, my, my grandfather, and my mother were super into Westerns. Like, I think that was how she bonded with her dad watching sure. those. It sounds like a love she had and kind of passed on to me. But yeah, there's so many of those things I was looking at those. I was like, oh man, that, this is really cool. Yeah. Well, and like, and for me, I was like, okay, so I've got Black Plague. <laughs> I'm going to get all in, you know, I'm, I'm getting all in Undead or Alive. And I heard that, that the announcement was Zombicide for their 50th. And I thought to myself, do I really need another Zombicide game? Because I passed on Invader, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I skipped Invader. Um, I skipped Green Horde, um, even though there was some really cool stuff in Green Horde that I wanted. And I even skipped Second Edition, you know, the Second Edition Modern. But but I was like, do I really need another Zombicide? But after listening to your podcast, actually, which is, kind of, <laughs> which is kind of why I brought up the talking about Marvel Zombies, listening to your podcast and listening to the Q&A that they, that they did when they announced it, when Fabio and Michael and were there were on Facebook and whatnot. It, I, I'm I'm really intrigued and I I'm and I'm excited. Be the fact that you're playing as the zombies, the fact that there's this that as they said it, the hunger meter, you know, that risk reward where, you know, if if you <laughs> you can you can eat a lot of th- you can eat people and then if you don't eat enough people then you become crazy sort of a thing. There's there's a lot of cool stuff in there that I'm like, oh this sounds cool you know and this sounds different right that's what i'm excited about is that uh you know i've played i've played zombie side and you know uh bringing michael and fabio on board uh when traditionally it's more of kind of like a guillotine games design Mm -hmm. um and you know they're working with the framework of that and it's just going to be cool to see how they iterate on that and maybe bring a fresh take or expand on on some of the the solid foundations that that game has. I think that is what I'm looking forward to the most. It's like how else can this game be played? Because you know I played a lot of Zombie Side, and it's fun to see like the variations on the theme. But it is also sure. interesting to see like the whole concept flipped, right? Where it's like, wait, where are the zombies? Like, are we really infected? Like, that's that's really appealing. Yeah. Plus, it's like yeah. how many cool minis? Like, I want cool minis and like cool minis of superheroes. Like, sure, I'll take them. Well, one of the, I mean, I mean, you've seen all the Kickstarters, right, for Zombicide. Mm-hmm. One of the big running gags that they always have are like these cameos, right, mm-hmm. where they have have these people that are uh, like celebrities that or 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 other characters from other movies that pop up into Zombicide as, you know, different, um, <laughs> you know, as named something else. But their backstory is exactly what you'd expect sort of a thing. And I'm sitting back and I'm like, I don't think they need to do that <laughs> with the Marvel zombies. They probably just just pull from the the Marvel the Marvel encyclopedia, you know? Oh yeah. Well, that's why I do think there's going to probably be some grumpy fans when like cuz they can't put everything, right? How many Marvel characters are there? There's you know 
hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> like, oh man. And I remember for for the He-Man Kickstarter, there was a little bit of people getting grumpy when I think it was uh, Jitsu, which was a kind of a questionable He-Man character anyway, like didn't make the cut. Sure, uh, sure. And, uh, you know, for Marvel, there's going to be somebody out there that's like, this one particular small-time hero is like, you know, I've got a tattoo and I've got all the comics for, and how could it not make it? But How, you know, dare, I think that, how dare Howard <laughs> the Duck not make it into Marvel? Yeah. Oh, you know, how did Duck, I could see him making the cut, though. Like, he seems like, he's like, at, you know, weird enough in a popular way. Like, um, <laughs> But, you know, I don't know. But I, I still, at the same time, with that one caveat, I think there's going to be a lot of really excited and, and happy fans. And I'm just kind of excited to see, like, what these uh, iterations look like. I, I can't, I won't lie. I, like, only recently came into the Marvel Zombies comic books. Uh, so I, I've been trying to, like, read through theirs and catch up on those. And shout out to the, the folks at Sarge's Comics in New London, Connecticut, for, for hooking me up with that and helping me uh, know what the heck is going on here. Cause I only really knew it from the Disney plus series. And I was like, Oh, oh. like zombies. And now I'm like, Oh, there's a whole comic. Okay. Let's, let's do it. Yeah, no, it's, it's been around for, for a long time. Like, I, like I 15 actually, years old. That. I was like, Oh man. Yeah. Well, I remember. <laughs> they, they, so they actually debuted in ultimate fantastic four. Um, and I, I remember I was, I was subscribed to ultimate fantastic four and I got that from our local comic shop, shout out to heroes, comics and cards in Fresno, California. Woot. Hey Dave. Um, (laughs) and, um, and I remember reading that and it, it, you know, it's the fake out. I don't know if you've, you've read that part, but it's the fake out where the ultimate version of Reed Richards thinks he's talking with the mainstream of, you know, Reed Richards. And then he goes and travels to their world and discovers that it's actually, he's been talking to the zombie version, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, so I, I remember reading that. I remember being, feeling so fresh and so new and a different take on zombies. And, um, and it still just informs so much about, uh, about what we think of when we think of kind of the Marvel zombie universe, y- you know, like it's still got that humor to it, that macabre, like dark, grim, you know, gallows humor sort of a thing. Which is, and this is like kind of insider information, maybe, but like knowing Michael, having gotten to know Michael Chanel's personality, and then Fabio's kind of more layered pun based personality, I'm like, oh my gosh, together they can really do this well, I bet. So I think I I have a lot of faith in those two, and uh, so I'm really excited to see what what comes of it. Um, so, you know, I'm looking forward to covering it and I will, I'm going to, I'm going to go all in on it. And then once it comes out, you know, I'll sit down and maybe take a look and we'll do like a, a real review of everything and see, you know, where, where do they hit the mark? Where, where could things been improved? Uh, but yeah. for now, you know, full disclosure, I'm like, I'm just excited and, and the possibility and, and the, the exploration of that stuff is like, I'm excited to be immersed in all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I will probably not do all in unless they really got some good well, stuff. But I I'll, may not get that. I'm not going to get that Galactus statue. I yeah, think that might be a little much. I mean, I, w- I would love to, but, y- you know, it'll probably be a healthy pledge from me, but I, I doubt I'll be able to to do all in. So, but. Uh, well, you know, I'm expecting to see some painting tutorials on that. So, uh, no you pressure. Know, you know, I, <laughs> I, you know, there are some some Marvel uh, tutorials already up that I think might be uh, might have some crossover potential um, on my website. <laughs> but from an alternate universe, from an alternate uh... universe where everyone's still okay and the models <laughs> are overpriced. Um, <laughs> 
oh my gosh, how much is that going to be a thing, right? You're like, think how many miniatures, how many superhero miniatures you're going to get uh, know. at, you know, a, a relatively um, a lower price than some other superhero miniatures you can get. <laughs> For the price of one expansion. <laughs> oh. But, you know, superheroes, you know, you got some people I know, they got to catch them all, you know, so I know, I know. another fun thing to go with. Well, I'm looking forward to that for sure. And, you know, I hope you get some of your uh, Song of Ice and Fire stuff out on the table. Maybe get some great joys on, which kind of segues into our next segment. Here we're going to be talking with, with Brett Lamford in our coach's corner about uh, getting the most out of a, uh, a combination of some of the newer Greyjoy units. So maybe that's something that you can you can catch up on and, and uh, you know, use to help inspire some of the lists that you can come back to running. For sure. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on and always great to catch up with you. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Chase. All right, now we're going to switch on over to the Coach's Corner. I'm here with Brett Lamfer with another Coach's Corner. And uh, Brett, so, you know, container ships have begun hitting the shores of the U.S. And along with those boats, we've had some uh, great joys arriving. So I, so I hear you're going to be talking a little about that today? Yeah, I think I think it's probably a little bit overdue for you and I to talk about great joys. They're so similar to the faction that you hold dearest to your heart, the free folk. <laughs> uh, the play style's not incredibly unsimilar. The great joys just do some other things additionally they don't have the massive punch combos that the free folk do but they do have some serious resilience by way of healing and i can't tell you how excited i am for these these heroes that have been shown in the heroes box too i think there are some serious gems in here and i couldn't wait to build a list and now i can't wait to talk about it well so you know i'm in a weird spot where i've got a lot of people i know that are really into Greyjoys, and i've been slowly building up a collection but i've been mostly lending it out to other people to play. And so I've played into Greyjoy quite a few times, uh, but, you know, I haven't been piloting them myself a lot. So, you know, what might be a kind of a cool list for me to take and hit the table with that uh, maybe makes use of some of the new stuff coming out so I can kind of razzle-dazzle a little bit? Yeah, I'm going to go down just uh, the units and I'm going to briefly tell you what their role is in the list and then we'll go a little bit more in depth if you'd like with some of the synergies and some of the combinations. A hundred percent. The more you can hold my hand through it, the better. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So immediately uh, when we talked with Simon and we were talking about the Simon Expo, Mm -hmm. uh, I was in love with Silence Men as soon as they were revealed. So if I was playing Greyjoys, I would want to play Silence Men. I love everything about the mechanic. The only problem that you can run into with Silence Men, they have a fairly elite morale value at five, but their armor is also a five. So the trouble with them is kind of keeping them alive. They've definitely got the offensive punch. They get pillage tokens and they can resist panic. They just can't resist a large volume of attack. So just coincidentally, we just saw Baylor Blacktide who has Hardened. And as we know, Hardened is arguably the best defensive ability in the entire game right now. It's such a good ability. People are trying to include it in their list wherever they can. This is going to make something, even with a five plus defensive save, surprisingly resilient. And Harden's the one where you get plus one blocked hit, and for each destroyed rank you have, you get an additional plus one hit block. Yep, that's correct. So, and the the thing that really puts Harden over the top is that you block those hits after you roll defense die. So you've got a chance to squeeze a couple of defensive saves in. And if you fail, you know, two or three of them, depending on what your ranks are, you could just end up blocking everything from the attack. It makes it really, really hard to push through them, even if you're throwing multiple attacks at them. So that makes a great bunker unit. And the Silence Men, they are also with that, their silence is infamy with that short range, like negative morale debuff. You can maybe then play them a little bit more centrally. 
centrally. Yes, you can play them centrally. You can play them aggressively. And built in with that offensive potential, you've got the ability to reduce the amount that you take from paling, failing panic based on the number of pillage tokens you have. And then additionally, Baylor has his order to the last, which we've seen from Great John Umber and we've seen from Corn Halfhand. This is the, if you would be destroyed, you take a morale test. On a success, you're not destroyed. You remain in play with one wound and then you become panicked and vulnerable. Now this goes hand in hand with the Greyjoy's basic deck card, what is dead may never die. Obviously you can't play them both at the same time because one's a card and one's an order, but you've effectively got a lot of chances to keep this guy alive. It's really, really nice. So that's fantastic. That's kind of your anchor piece then for this list. What are you filling out around it? Okay, so I've got two units of Greyjoy archers. The reason for that, number one, ranged in the current meta is really, really good. And Greyjoys have a four-point long-ranged unit. Uh, they've also got the ability to re-roll when they're in the flank. Even without that ability, just being able to shoot from 12 inches is phenomenal. I've got these guys in there, but I'm really hoping that I can pair that with that silenced men, uh, what I call the, the bubble of trouble. <laughs> so if you can shoot into the combat that the, that the silence men are in, or if you can shoot into something that's close to the silence men, you're essentially shooting with vicious if you think about it, because they're going to be at a negative one or a negative two to their morale test. You can just chip away with one or two wounds from the shot, and then you're doubling down on that panic damage because now you've got a modifier. So it can actually get really nasty, especially if you've got two of those archers. Is the divide the spoils an essential part here for getting those silence men like loaded up early? I think it's I think it's a really, really good way to do it. And again, touching on what you see in the meta, you see a lot of units like Poor Fellows, you see units like Free Folk Raiders. Uh, on the Greyjoy side, you see enemy archers, you see enemy reavers. These things are easy to shoot and take a rank off of. And then you're just buffing up your silence men and the silence men really don't have to do anything. But the silence men are absolutely capable of getting their own pillage token because their gray decks have sundering and they're just going to go in there and, you know, hopefully take out at least one rank with an attack. So these guys should have their pillage tokens early and they should have plenty of them. So we got silence men with Baylor Black Tide. We've got two units of Ironborn Bowmen. So that's given us about 15 points here. That's a nice symmetrical looking force. Um, how are we rounding this out? We're, we've got one unit of Reavers. They're the basic house troop. Just in general, when I build a, a list for any faction, I'm I'm including one of the quote-unquote house troop. Their basic five-point troop. Greyjoys just happen to have a really, really, really good one. So I like these guys in the list. They're adding a little bit of extra damage, and they're getting stronger and stronger as you get those pillage tokens on. But more importantly, you're kind of creating a target saturation situation here because you want to get rid of the archers. You have to do something about the silence men, not only because of their attack and the commander being in there, but the, the bubble of trouble. You've got to get rid of that. And so you might end up letting the Reavers kind of slip through the cracks and they're going to do a lot of damage. And, uh, you know, what else are you thinking for combat troops then? You've got a, a pretty good force there. Are you going to throw anything else in the mix to mix it up? Yes, this is this is the tech piece specifically built for this list, specifically built to synergize with the archers, with the silence men. This is kind of the piece that's going to tie everything together. I've got a unit of Blackguard and they have the Bolton Flayer in them. Now, this is a seven point combination. You don't see it a whole lot, but I think think a lot of people probably want to if they can. But the reason this combo is so, 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 so nasty is because if you spread fear and the Blackguard are at full ranks, which is pretty reasonable, there are three plus defense and a six plus morale. That spread fear is a negative three with a plus one wound kick. If you're spreading fear inside the bubble of trouble, that's a negative five with a plus one wound kicker. <laughs> that 
is nasty. That's where you start to see elite units and even specialists like poor fellows start to fail panic tests. A negative five modifier is huge. Um, additionally, the the blackguard have vicious, but their their attack profile is not super stout. But if you can stack vicious with the silence men bubble, you're looking at a vicious at negative four, and so they can trigger their own spread fear by making you fail that first panic test. Then they're popping another one at negative five. It can get really really nasty. And that's not even talking about their horrific visage. Exactly, and horrific visage. They're just if if you're inside that aura, I think it creates a situation where it's just detrimental for you to even attack the blackguard. You don't even yeah. want to go out. <laughs> So I'm using that I'm using that aura to create that kind of negative four vicious with the threat of spread fear to try to force you to attack the blaggers. So I've got five units on the field that I feel like you have to do something about all of them. But I think I can put you in some situations where you're making some really bad choices and something's going to get through and it's probably going to damage you pretty significantly. Man. And then, you know, you've, you've still got, you know, your lash out command cards, black tides, resentment, black tide convention, conviction. There's a lot of things you can do to work with this. Actually, I kind of like this list. I might, uh, I might try and bust this one out. I had so much fun with the Lannister gun list. <laughs> so I feel like I'm just like rolling up a flavor of the podcast every time I play now. People are like, oh, Oh, boy. Oh, that's fine. I think <laughs> I think this list is going to be tons of fun, and we haven't even talked about the NCU tech, but if you want to talk about his cards really quickly, we can talk about even more synergies that we have. So you've already got the Blackguard who are punishing you essentially for attacking them, and they could be double punishing you because of that spread fear order. Uh, but as you mentioned, you have Lash Out, which is going to do two wounds to you after you make an attack on them. Somebody engaged with them is getting two wounds for each destroyed rank, and then if they're attacking uh, Baylor's unit, they're going to become vulnerable as well. That's a really, really nasty retribution attack. And if they're foolish enough to go after the Blackguard thinking that they can do a lot of damage, and maybe they do, but they're taking the horrific visage first, potentially at negative five, and then they could be getting a lash out for additional wounds and then becoming vulnerable on top of it. It's going to be a pretty punishing, oh. pretty punishing attack for them attacking them. And anytime you can do damage out of turn, it's awesome, <laughs> particularly when we're talking about automatic wounds. But it doesn't necessarily end there because the the synergy works really well because you have black tide conviction and i'm assuming that you're shooting these archers into melee at some point i personally want to be shooting into the blaggard or into the silence men and if you manage to fail one of the panic tests for shooting you know the friendly fire panic test mm -hmm. Uh, Black Tide Conviction, uh, when you're performing a morale test after rolling dice, so you get to see that you fail, then you play this card, you're going to get a plus one to the roll for each of the destroyed ranks in the unit that's taking the test, but then you're going to get an additional plus one for each destroyed rank among all of the enemies they're engaged. So this card, in a way, is a deterrent for them kind of jumping on you with multiple units, because if they've started to lose ranks, this could get oh, up to... It could get up to a plus six. I mean, it's that's the perfect situation. Realistically, you're probably going to be seeing, you know, plus three, plus four. But that's mm. really, 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 really good on a morale test. So that's helping these guys stick around. Just firing away at them. It has a perfect synergy with an NCU that we're going to go into here in a second after we talk about Black Tide Resentment. This is another one of those cards that you're getting out of your hand quickly. It's a card that you don't have to hold on to the, for the situation. Uh, you're attaching this to a friendly combat unit and it's, you're removing it if they ever restore wounds. So I'm thinking that I like this one on the Blaggard in particular. When this unit is performing a melee attack for each of its destroyed ranks, you can take plus one to hit 
and plus one attack die for each destroyed rank, and then you can gain Vicious, and if the defender fails their panic test, they suffer plus one wound for each of this unit's destroyed ranks. I like this on the Blaggard because they're defensive enough that I'm not overly worried about healing them, and I can start to really use that negative four to start adding additional wounds, and I can let my Blaggard hit on threes instead yeah. of fours, and that's giving them a little bit of teeth. So I really, really like this card with that Blaggard. Oh my god, that's gonna, and even as they start to get worn down and start to lose ranks, the additional wounds, yeah. that is, that's beastly. So you've got five combat units here. Uh, is this a list you're going to run with three NCUs or two? I am well, I guess going points, it's going to be three, I guess, now that I do the math. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm, I'm, Well, we could be doing uh, two if you went with really expensive NCUs, I guess. Um, I guess you'd be leaving some points on the table. But I'm running, <laughs> I'm running three in this particular list. Um, I'm starting off with Windermere. I just think Windermere is a fantastic NCU. I've loved him since we saw the Greyjoys revealed. I really latched onto this guy because he reminds me so much of Craster in 1.6. The Free Folk Ooh. vibe, yeah. <laughs> the Free Folk vibe, because he's the same for Free Folk in one point, or in the 2021. He's a little bit different for Night's Watch. He does the same thing for Free Folk, but I loved him in 1.6. Zone replacement to get to heal two wounds and draw a tactics card is just so good. It gives you two, basically it gives you half benefits from two of the better zones, the tactics zone and the wealth zone. So I really like that. But additionally, Windermere's got this shift. So at the start of a friendly turn, you can remove the token and a friendly combat unit can perform a three inch shift. So the way that you can use this is you can play really cheeky with your archers. You can keep them out of range of enemy archers. And then after the enemy archers uh, activate and they weren't able to attack you, you can shift three inches and then shift two more inches and shift yourself into range. So you can create a situation where they can't shoot you, but you can shoot them. But additionally, I like that shift because the Blackguard are a little bit slow. Um, ideally, I would be using this to get the Blackguard into the combat, get them engaged, and then you're forcing them to either sit there and get punched, or they're going to have to attack you back and deal with the horrific visage, or they're retreating. I, I love all of those options if I'm the Greyjoy player. You're either sitting there letting me punch on you, and you're doing nothing. You're retreating and not attacking me. I'm fine with that. Or you're just uh, attacking me, and you're taking those panic tests at negative three or more. Man, I totally get the craster, the old free folk craster comparison. Uh, one thing that I had, I haven't actually played Wendermere yet, and uh, the whole place one order token on him. So he starts with one order token, and you use it to to do his cool effects. And you know, is there a, a rhythm or a strategy you like to employ with him for reclaiming tokens? Do you try and stack them on early, or do you just kind of think of him as a one off guy? What, what's your general philosophy behind him? With him, again, I'm treating him exactly as I treated Craster in 1.6. And when I used Craster in 1.6, uh, more often than not, I used his zone replacement effect to heal two and draw the card because I think that benefit is really good. Windermere is actually a little bit more flexible than Craster because you don't have to use that right away and you can use it multiple times in a round. So generally in round one, where the combat zone and the crown are kind of just formalities, they're not super popular, I'm almost always going to replace one of those zones and get a Windermere token in round one. Now I have two tokens. From mm -hmm. there, you end up in this situation a lot where your opponent's playing the board, you know, the start of the round, they're rushing to the tactics board to get their zones resolved because that's all the free stuff. And then a lot of times you're ending up with uh, like the maneuver zone and it's like, well, I really don't need to do a maneuver zone, 
I could, or I can go grab a Windermere token. And it's the same with the crown. When they don't have cards like Hear Me Roar, there's too many. It's not necessarily the best play to go for the crown. So I would be happy to just go grab a Windermere token, particularly if I had something in mind for later in that round. And I wanted that shift to get get closer to an objective, if I wanted to get my archers in range, or again, if I wanted to get my blackguard back into the fight. So it's very situational, but there's almost no instance in round one where I'm not putting a token on. So then I have two to use between round two and six. That's usually enough. Uh, if you can get three or four throughout the course of the game, uh, Windermere is doing a lot of work for you at that point. Coming from the lens of free folk, I feel like he's a really appealing NCU. I wonder if others think the same, but it seems like a lot of potential there. So yeah, who are you he, pairing up with him? The next NCU, this is one of the guys from the new Heroes box. This is an NCU, I think, I think at first glance, some people might overlook him. I think he's phenomenal. I'm looking at Christopher Botley. I like control aspects in this game. Mm -hmm. I like trickery. I like things of this nature. His Ironborn Diplomat ability is very, very, very unique. And I think that it is a tempo-stealing ability. So once per game... At the start of any round, you select one tactic zone. If you do, that zone may not be claimed this round. So you're thinking at first glance, maybe, well, my opponent can't claim it, but I can't claim it either. But how I'm using him is in either round two or three, those are the biggest tempo rounds where the first claim is to the combat zone to make a free attack to start that round, particularly with your heavy hitter. Say, if you're going first in round two and we're engaged, it could even be round four, doesn't matter. Round two, three, four, whatever the round is, everything's locked up, the engagement's happened. Now, at this point, we're really, really waiting to see who's going to get the kill and kind of swing the battle. You're almost always relying on taking the combat zone, mm. particularly in 2021, because Varus doesn't exist to take that away from you. So you're relying, you're battle plan relies on you getting that free attack. If I mark the combat zone and you can't take it, that's probably three rounds in a row that you have been denied a free attack off of the tactics board. That's huge in terms of tempo. Uh, there's a lot to like there at four points, man. And he's got other options too on this Ironborn Diplomat ability. Absolutely. And the other benefit is 3NCU is very, very popular in casual and tournament type of meta. The other thing that you're doing, not only are you denying them the combat zone, which you could flex to the wealth zone if they're you're expecting a big Amon heal bomb, you could block the wealth zone. But what the other thing that you're doing is you're denying them on their tempo turn, their ability to claim three zones to your two. So if you assume 3NCU versus 3NCU, every round somebody isn't getting a tactic zone. Mm-hmm. If you play the board first on the turn on the rounds where you're first player, you're assuming that you're getting benefit out of three zones. This prevents you from getting that third zone because you activate an NCU, I activate an NCU, you activate, I activate. Now there's no zone for you to claim because nobody's allowed to take the zone I've marked. So I've stolen your zone that I know you want and I've screwed with your tempo on the tactics board. I think he's phenomenal. And not to mention the once per game when an enemy NCU activates, you may select two tactic zones, and if they claim that zone as this activation, target one enemy combat unit becomes panicked and vulnerable. And that's going to work really, really well with this panic style with the, with the silence men and with the blackguard and the archers, you know, again, pseudo-vicious from the silence men. Those tokens, they're going to really think twice about claiming the zone. They're probably going to claim it because the tactics board is important, but I think you're fine with that because you're putting the panicked and vulnerable tokens, then you're going to be able to take advantage of those. 
So, you know, one concern then with this list then is, are you worried about your silenced men? I know they're hardier with hardened, but are you worried about them just getting focused down an alpha and then, you know, breaking your synergy combo here? I would be, but we've got another new NCU. <laughs> we've got Baron Blacktide. Uh, he has zeal of the, of the drowned god. Now, he may only influence Greyjoy units. So in my list, I won't be able to put him on my Blackguard, but I'm fine with that. That's part of the reason that Blackguard is in that list is because they're defensive enough that they don't have to have his influence. What he's going to do is, while influencing a friendly unit, that unit only suffers one wound for every two unblocked hits from any attacker effect. <laughs> then Baron is removed if that unit ever fails to panic. So you're essentially looking at the giants having wounds. Because this one oh isn't... Oh my god. <laughs> right. Because this one isn't specifically against attack. This is two unblocked hits from any attack or effect. Now that's big because there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things in the game that do auto hits. Those auto hits are generally bypassing resilience as it's warded on units like Stagnites. This is warded as it is on giants. So that means any effect that's giving you automatic hits could essentially be halved. That's huge in a game mode like Honed and Ready, where arrows rain down on you, you can essentially block half of those arrows. Oh my hits. gosh. Now, the influence comes off if you fail a panic test. That's where we go back to Baron's card. That's potentially going to put you with your silence men. If you're taking a panic at plus three, plus four, it's an auto pass. If you're, if they're stacking Lannister modifiers on you, you can essentially counterbalance those modifiers to make it an even panic test at a five. So that card is really going to help ensure that Baron's influence stays on for multiple attacks. Now, Gosh, the, and with hardened and that, that's so many blocks. <laughs> I think with hardened and that. I mean, if we just do some really quick math, if they do seven hits, you're going to roll seven defensive dice. I think you need to fail. If you fail to harden or resilience turns that into two wounds, harden blocks one. So even if you if the, if they hit Jeez. you with seven and you fail seven, hard uh, resilience from the NCU turns that into three. Harden blocks one. You took two wounds. And that's from an attack where you're assuming they they either charged or they played a card to get rerolls or they yeah. used to get like they put a lot into that attack to give you seven hits and you really just shrugged it off. When you're down at the last rank, it's even harder to get those hits through. If you're blocking three, that means they have to get eight hits through and you have to fail every single one before they're even doing one wound. Gosh. Because it, Eight, even if you block one, seven becomes three hardened blocks. It's almost impossible to kill them. I've seen a lot of people kind of relying on iron makers to be their sort of more anvil units. And that sort of, this sort of supplants that. And uh, you don't really need to take that unit with how much they could defend. Wow. You don't have to. Now, this guy is going to feast against things that don't have intrigue and subterfuge, which cancels NCU influences. There's other <laughs> things that could deter him from going onto the tactics board. Uh, your, your beautiful Mance, Mance. with Wildling Diplomacy. Yeah. You know, if he activates and he doesn't claim his own, he doesn't get to put his influence out. So I think Mance kind of has an upper hand in that situation because you almost have to put him on the board because you don't right. want to waste that influence. Then right. Mance is giving you D3 plus one auto wounds and a condition token. So there's a little bit of counterplay to this guy. But if you're pairing this with a list that accounts for some of those matches that he might not be the best in, then I think this is an excellent oh, list as an all-comer list, and then you've just got to decide on a list that you pair it with. And maybe your other list has the true defense of Iron Makers, and you're running Eric Iron Maker NCU. I think Greyjoys are just so flexible. You yeah. can 
you can put together some list pairings that really have an answer to it. Man, stuff like this, even just that, you're talking about Mance and and uh, you know countering Baron Black Tide here, Blind Baron. Uh, you know that just like sparks that like yeah, this is what I love about this game. There's so many ways to counter and and play or be outplayed. God. All right. Well, this is, I guess, unfortunately, then, folks, <laughs> next time I go out and I, and I catch a game, maybe I'll be playing Greyjoy here and uh, I won't be rolling up my free folk because I definitely want to try this. Yeah, I absolutely want to hear from some people. The I think the Blaggard tech piece is one of the things that it might be a little bit tricky to get to work um, and you might struggle with when to activate and when to use, but very interested to see how people do with this list. And in particular, I want to hear about how the blaggard do with that with that silenceman aura how much panic damage you're doing in a game because i think i think it can be a lot or conversely if you guys are dropping this in we'll do our make a list monday if you uh maybe get this on the table and you really are having a blast with it what would you pair with this list let us know that as well you know what would you do to balance this out if you're coming into a more competitive environment and you're worried about some of the counters to this list um what would you bring along as your secondary list yep I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear it too. And I'll, I'll get thinking on a list that I would pair with this. And when that drops, I'll, I'll drop my two cents in on that as well. I may have to do a, uh, I may have to do a uh, coach's corner playoff here with the uh, target gun line versus this and see, and see what comes out. Oh, I think that'd be a really interesting match. That is a lot of ranged attacks. Um, and I think you can kind of work around the army that's not, <laughs> the commander unit you know i i think the i think that ranged list can pick its targets well enough that you can go pick on whoever doesn't have the blind baron on them and i think you can start picking them off i that would be a really cool match to see i i do want to hear about that actually that's i mean i've been having so much fun with that list i've even done some like uh i've played some open matches against some newer players where i've even like toned it down a bit but just wanted to get used to moving things around but man in its original form that is a blast <laughs> so i can't wait to try this one out now too so we'll get this one check out so let us know be sure to head on to the on the table gaming facebook group let us know your feedback on this list and brett thanks so much for coming on i'm excited to see uh, to report back how it goes how this list plays out and here's some other ideas for next week absolutely i i love these little i love these little episodes and i'm i'm really glad we got to talk about gray joys this time thanks again for always uh stopping by oh yeah no problem thanks so much for tuning in for this episode and special thanks to our patreon supporters for helping make this episode possible be sure to head on over to the On the Table Gaming Facebook group, jump in and join the conversation about this coach's corner. And in the meantime, we hope you get your miniatures on the table.